Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing how a resurrection really feels, the ninth episode of season three, which was written by the creator and showrunner of the show, directed by Greg Prage, and originally aired on the WB on December 7th, 2005. And also, two weeks ago, we watched this episode with our fellow patrons over in our Discord server, and that was a shit ton of fun, wasn't it, Caitlin? Yes, it was. This is such a good episode for a live watch. Yeah. We had all the feels about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we even had a first-time viewer who actually watched it, like, with us. That was really amazing to experience. I know, to get their predictions for everything was cool. <laughs> yes. And, uh, it, and I really enjoyed toward the ends when we were just, like, screaming about everything <laughs> happening. Yes. We're like, Nelly! Brucus! <laughs> Kiss! Deborah! <laughs> <laughs> it was chaos. Absolute chaos. <laughs> it was. It was absolutely amazing. And yeah, it was. this is our second live watch. We definitely want to do this again sometime in the future. Caitlin hasn't necessarily agreed to this, but... I'm thinking maybe we can watch a One Tree Hill Christmas movie live. We'll see. We'll see if that can work with our schedules. I don't want to make any promises. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I don't know which ones, as of this date, I don't know which ones are coming out. (laughs) There's probably going to be at least, like, seven of them. Like Honestly, yeah. Can can we be honest about that? There'll probably be, like, Hillary will probably make one, Jana Kramer, (laughs) like, who else? Definitely Jana, (laughs) probably Chad. Probably Joy. Probably Joy. I feel like Hillary, I haven't heard anything of her taping that, but who knows? This yeah. is only October, so they Any- could do a Rush <laughs> film. <laughs> yes, but we'll, uh, we'll post details about that soon. Anyway, let's get into this episode, though, because this episode is fucking amazing, and I'm, I'm ready to get into it. Same. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Brooke and Peyton get arrested for stealing the clothes from suburban filth, and Haley also gets arrested because she was wearing one of the stolen tank tops when the police showed up at the door. Lucas bails them out of jail, but tells the officers to leave Brooke at the cell for an extra 10 minutes. Ouch. Brooke apologizes to Lucas for sleeping with Chris, but Lucas doesn't want to hear it and is extremely upset with her. Chris lost the money for Haley's demos, so he asks Nathan to drive him 80 miles to get it back. But Nathan soon finds out that Chris is going to play poker in order to get the money, and that Chris has $500 from Dan, who asked him to seduce Haley. Chris and Nathan lose numerous poker games and finally steal some money and jump off the casino boat. But Chris loses the money in the water. On top of that, Chris reveals to Nathan that he kissed Haley at the masquerade party in order to help him get her back. And finally, Chris sells his guitar to pay for Haley's demos and leaves town. In other news, Haley convinces Brooke to pursue her clothing designs and sell them on her own. Brooke develops clothes of her bros and has a fashion show of her designs for Peyton and Haley. Meanwhile, Peyton's angel of death, or Pangle, won't leave her side. 
painful guilt Peyton's have reconnected with Ellie because she's dying. In the end, Peyton finds Ellie's address on the internet. Dan looks at camera footage from the liquor store and thinks he knows who tried to kill him. He then tries to get Karen to concede the election by showing her the footage of someone she cares about. Karen decides not to concede before the election results are in, but Dan wins mayor anyway. Lucas confronts Deb at the election hall because he knows she was the one who set the dealership on fire and tried to kill Dan. Deb leaves town as she calls someone, inform them that Lucas knows. Nathan asks Haley to come over and compliments her new song. Haley asks Nathan if he kissed her the night of the party, and he says yes. They share a kiss, and then Haley pulls away and says that this kiss is so much better than that one. They spend the night together. And in other happy news, Brooke goes to Lucas and shares the 82 letters she wrote him and the real reason she's been holding back this whole time, for fear of getting hurt again. Lucas forgives Brooke. They say I love you and kiss passionately. Oh my gosh. (laughs) This episode, I can't fucking wait. (laughs) Rocking my Tudor Girl Peace-Story-inspired concert jersey, I'm Caitlin Elenich. And exited my closet full of anxiety, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. Closet full of anxiety. Get it? We have to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Because Hillary mentioned this in the episode of Drama Queens and she just didn't get the joke. I I just don't think it was a funny joke. I think the writers wrote it intended for it to be funny. It's just not a good joke. I don't even know what makes it a joke. (laughs) Closet full of anxiety? Because Peyton's like closet is all dark and depressing and anxious written to me it's just not a joke <laughs> <laughs> i think they were trying and it just doesn't really work but, but the fact that the fact that pangle says get it made me think it was intended to be a joke i know and they couldn't explain it to her i think she asked like what does this mean and no one yeah. can explain it and they said just say the lines hillary <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I think it's funny that she brought that up. Because <laughs> I feel like I've watched that in the past and was like, I think I've questioned that too. Like, what, is, what does this really mean? <laughs> I, I think I just sort of like, you know, stood it by and I just said, okay, I don't know what this means. I don't know if it's trying to say anything. So I just ignore it. Yeah, you just ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> um, related that real quickly though, speaking of drama queens and speaking of the fact that you're wearing the uh, concert jersey, yes. um, let me tell you, earlier today when I was watching the episode, I got a little bit inspired. So I went on Etsy and I actually bought a Clothes Over Bros t-shirt. Nice. And I plan to wear it to the Drama Queens taping that we are going to. <laughs> that is amazing. I know I have my One Tree Hill shirts. I don't think I have the Clothes Over Bros, though. Mm. I have a few, but I don't think it's Clothes Over None of them are Clothes Over Bros. Well, I am here to represent Brooke's iconic fashion label. Which, by the way, everybody, <laughs> if you're going to be at the show in Philly, we are going on October 19th. Come say hi to us. <laughs> Take pictures with us. We would love to meet you. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be great. (laughs) All right. So today's episode is titled after the song, How a Resurrection Really Feels by The Hold Steady. 
And I have like zero thoughts. <laughs> I read the lyrics, listened to the song, and I'm like, what's going on? So I'm not even going to attempt. I know you said there were a few lines. Do you want to share your thoughts? When I say a few, I mean literally two. Um, the line okay. is, she's been disappeared for years. Today, she finally came back. Guess what? Couples get back together in this episode. Cool. <laughs> that was deep. That was real, <laughs> real deep. <laughs> and I mean, you know, the the fact that like how a resurrection really feels, I feel like this episode is all about new beginnings. Yeah. I think the title kind of works. Um, I'm just saying the song, <laughs> the lyrics to the song, I just... <laughs> There's yeah. just no connection for me this time around. But yeah, resurrection, meaning like a new beginning. And I think it's interesting, though, because like the song could be called Resurrect or the, the title episode could be called called Resurrection. But the song is actually how a resurrection really feels. So what do you think mm. that means? Like, in a way, like a resurrection, like think of all of the um hardships that the characters had to f- had to face in order to get to this like new beginning like think of Nathan and Haley, Brooke and Lucas like they've all um made a lot of progress in their res- in their relationships leading up to this quote unquote resurrection revival you know beginning wh- however you want to put it well you have a lot to say <laughs> <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I don't know. That's a. That's a good point. Are Are there any um, other songs with resurrection in the title, or is there an episode, or is there a song that could better encapsulate this episode? I don't know. That I have no idea. <laughs> the top of my head, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting how it says how it really feels. Hmm. You know. Almost like there's two, like, what people might think versus what it's really like. That was my only thought. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> Jeremy's speechless. <laughs> I don't have anything to add about so this song. Like, I, I don't make, I guess I'm not making any sense. The, but. the thing I... <laughs> The thing I find weird about this song, and and, and I feel like I'm starting to notice this um, this about myself lately, too, because I have been listening to Folklore, Taylor Swift's album. I know it's, like, two years too late. I am sorry, Caitlin. I Um, I just don't even know, but, like, I'm glad you're listening to it now. Yes, whatever. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) I'm starting to realize I don't really like songs with, like, characters and songs that, like, tell a story, and I feel like that's what this song is. Yeah. Like a narrative, almost. Yeah! I feel like it's harder to, like, relate relate to it in that way. Especially in, like, you know, this project that. that we're doing, trying to, like, relate the song to the episode. Versus, like, liking songs that have more just, like, emotions. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, some type of universal feeling. But I feel like when you get too specific, and, and I'm not, like, you know, Taylor Swift's Maddie is a fucking mop. I really love that song. But... <laughs> But I, I sort of, like, you know, get, like, you know, pulled out of the whole situation. So, uh, full disclosure, my internet cut out as we were going on that tangent, so I think that's the universe's way of saying, um, stop talking about this song, and let's get to this actual episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being meta today, Caitlin. <laughs> 
super awkward. I think we were cut off mid-sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about the good stuff anyway. Yes, this episode is fantastic. I really don't want to waste any time fucking talking about the hold steady. No, no offense to you, hold steady, but this is a great episode. <laughs> yep, getting right to the point. <laughs> So, one that I found very wild about this episode is that there's no previously on and no song. Like, they use the entire span of this episode's time limit to just stack it with story. I know. Is that the first, or so far, because I know this happens in the future, but um, is this the first time they've done that? So I know in uh the boy uh the boy toy auction they don't have the theme song. I don't okay. remember if they have it previously on. And I feel like it's happened one other time. Well they knew this this is a midwinter break episode. Yes. This so, is before they had the titles of mid season finales though. Yeah, so those are always really big episodes. Almost like a mini season finale and i don't think there's anything mini about <laughs> this episode <laughs> you know what i mean but like well listeners you'll say in the future there's some big big season finales <laughs> but <laughs> this is a pretty big episode regardless i have nodded my head enthusiastically <laughs> for those who cannot see me <laughs> But it gets kicked off with uh, Peyton having a dream that she's at her mother's grave. And then behind her is Angel of Death, a.k.a. Pangle, saying, buckle up. Your other mom will be dead soon. This was an interesting choice that the writers made to include this kind of like, I would call it subconscious Peyton. You know, what what she's really feeling deep down, but can't actually convey or, like, come to terms with in the real world. Um, so the last time we saw Peyton with Ellie was in 305. So it's been several episodes, and she went back to the hotel room, and Ellie was no longer there, and that's where Peyton picked up this bracelet. So, like, that storyline kind of got cut off in a way and now this like pain droll or however <laughs> pangle <laughs> I don't know how to say it <laughs> I only learned about this recently because that's what Hillary called it in the uh-huh. episode of Drama Queens and actually the stunt double who plays uh, the because obviously you know they're, Hillary did not play two people at the same time in real life okay <laughs> There was, like, a stand-in, and on the IMDb page, there is somebody credited for Pangle. Interesting. And it literally says, Pangle. (laughs) You would be credited for that? Huh. I I, I guess if you're, I mean, if you're a body double and you're essentially just, like, standing in for somebody, maybe? That is interesting. Yeah. So, the last time we see Ellie and Peyton, Ellie, or Peyton goes to Ellie's hotel room, doesn't see... Receives the bracelet, but can't find Ellie. And that's the last of it. And we're basically cut off from that storyline. And now we get to see, like, Peyton's subconscious, what she's really feeling inside, but is not really processing, like, in the real world, I guess you could say. 
So I think that this angel of death, um, Pingle, is an interesting way to like propel the storyline because by the end of it, angel of death has gotten Peyton to find where Ellie lives. It's like a vehicle to like move the story and move Peyton's, I guess, progress in that that whole storyline. Right, absolutely. And can I just say, I fucking loved these scenes. I think Hillary did a phenomenal job. And I want to see a whole series with these two (laughs) together. And it's funny you say that because Hillary in the Drama Queens podcast, she said there was like a scene too many. I disagree. I hardcore disagree, personally. What did you think? Did you like these? Did you hate them? It's okay either way. I'm kind of neutral on them. I think Hillary did do a really good job. Um, And like I said, it's an interesting way to move the story forward. I'm not like in love with them, I guess. (laughs) I do think, though, that the angel of death poses some interesting questions. Like, for example, she says, did Jake just want to get my pants? Should Lucas be with me instead of Brooke? And it makes you think, like, is this what Peyton's really thinking? Oh, it totally is. I mean, it would... It wouldn't come as a surprise if these are thoughts that Peyton had very briefly. Even if it was just something that she thought for a second and then made it go away. It's It comes as no surprise that these are things that she has thought about. Yeah, and as the audience, like we didn't necessarily know that until now. Mm-hmm. The Angel of Death has revealed that. So it kind of gives you some insight into like Peyton's mindset a little bit. Yeah. And you see that she's, like, you know, fighting herself, too. She says, no, Jake loved me, and Lucas and I are just friends. So I think it just shows, like, the inner, like, tug of war that she has with herself. And honestly, I feel like this is... This really reflects how people with anxiety face everyday situations. Yeah. It's a little on the nose. It's like you're talking to yourself. It's like, you know, it's basically like the angel, you know... Even though this is the angel of death, but it is kind of like the devil and the angel on your shoulder type of deal. Yeah, I under I definitely understand that with someone as someone with anxiety, like Yeah. I mean, moments when like I'm worrying about something, I'm trying to like internally talk myself down <laughs> to mm-hmm. stop, like, calm down. Let's not worry about this right in this moment. Like, you're blowing this out of proportion. Like, this is like my inner monologue. Yeah. You know? And your anxiety can really be a bitch. or your subconscious I guess (laughs) who knew my subconscious could be such a bitch (laughs) no we're a bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah you gotta love it and then also how the angel of death is reminding Peyton where this where is this bracelet like the bracelet keeps coming up and Peyton doesn't know where it is and in a way that kind of represents, like, the, the subconscious is trying to drill into Peyton, like, Ellie's dying. She actually is. You need to face it. You need to find her. You need to do this. And I, these are obviously worries that Peyton is having. Like, I think without question, even without knowing it directly, like, as an audience, we know she's struggling with all of this. Like, who would not be struggling <laughs> with your birth mother, like, leaving town and, like, they had an argument about the artwork and all of that. And then on top of it, Ellie is fighting cancer, but Peyton doesn't really know exactly like where she is in the stage. Like, is she in remission? Is she 
Does she really believe that, you know? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I think that bracelet, it's interesting that the bracelet has gone missing because it's almost because it was a remission bracelet. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's even more of a clue that like we we as an audience know that that Ellie, we, we saw her go into the MRI machine. Peyton did not see that. So like we have a little bit more. We have more clues, I guess, to think yeah. that like Ellie is no longer in remission. So this bracelet that has disappeared is almost like a symbol that something is wrong like she's no longer in remission right yeah and i think this is just something that's been bothering peyton um i mean you could take it as like this is a sign from the universe Mm -hmm. for peyton to uh contact ellie but i also like to think that this is something peyton has been like sitting on for a while she keeps thinking like oh is um is ellie dying no i don't really know and then she keeps telling herself, no, she's in remission. She's not dying just to make herself feel better. And that's literally what she's doing when she's talking to the angel of death. Yeah. Um, One comment I want to call out from the angel of death. First off, this the first scene in the bedroom, I think is so funny when we see, uh, <laughs> when we see Peyton wake up and she's like, okay, this is crap. <laughs> <laughs> And then the angel of death is like eating ice cream and she has her, her mouth is full of food and she's like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> and then Peyton says, hey, what are you doing here? And then she's like, I'm having a snack. It's funny you say, I eat and you get fat. Huh. Which I didn't really like because at first I didn't like it because it was fat phobia but then again i also tried to look at it and try to reclaim it as somebody who is a teenager in the year 2005 yeah. it was probably internalized in like all these unrealistic body image standards and whatnot so i just want to call that call that line in a little bit yeah i think it was an un that first scene to me like wasn't as necessary like i felt like they got better as the episode progressed yeah. And you really got to, like, the meat of why this subconscious is, like, talking to Peyton and getting her to think. Um, but that beginning scene, I, I guess you could say, was, like, funny in the beginning. But other, that remark in particular, though, was it not necessary done? at all. Yeah. <laughs> I would have liked that moment where she's like, hey, what are you doing here? So if it's not in another scene, I feel like that would have been funny. Yeah. But yes, yeah. Um, so Peyton's subconscious is being a real fucking bitch, and we'll see. We'll see what happens when we get to the end of the episode. <laughs> Let's hold those <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> All right. Oh boy. So we're we're hitting Brucus next, Jeremy. We, we we are hitting Brucus, but we're not hitting the good Brucus I stuff know, quite I yet. Know. <laughs> we will get to that later. <laughs> Are you going to be able to contain yourself? <laughs> I mean, like I said, like I've said in previous episodes, my thoughts on Brucus have been evolving, but I also can't help the fact that this episode brings me a lot of joy, and I will get into talking about that a little bit later. But I mean, I will say, like some of these scenes with Brucus, I really don't like how he's slut shaming her. How he says, that's a pretty skanky move, Brooke. And then, like, he tries to make himself look better by saying, like, I never slept with Peyton. And 
I've, again, I've already talked about this in previous episodes, but why, how do these two things compare? Yeah. Like, Brooke just had sex with Chris Keller. Like, whatever. Like, I hate to say get over it. Like, I understand Lucas is upset, but there is no equivalent to, like, what Lucas did with Peyton. Yeah. So, first off, it wasn't right for him to call her a skank. Yes. Uh, that was really inappropriate. And I feel like, yeah, this scene has not aged well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it ever was good. <laughs> but, but it definitely has not aged well. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, I can uh, speak to this from, like, watching 2005. I remember even thinking, like, yeah, what Brooke did was wrong. And now I've learned and I've grown and now I know better. that like, you know what? No, Brooke didn't do anything wrong here. The two of them weren't together. Yeah. What stands out to me about this scene is, like, I can feel Brooke's pain because Lucas yes. is just so mean. Not even just the stuff he says, like his whole tone and demeanor is just so mean. And she's mm-hmm. coming there clearly from a very um, vulnerable place. You know, she's coming there and like kind of delicately apologizing for everything. And he, his reaction just, I don't know, he, he just completely doesn't want to hear anything that she has to say or really listen to, to her at all. And Brooke even says in the moment, she's like, I thought this was going to be bad, but it's even worse than I imagined. Mm-hmm. And he just says, good. Like, it's like he wants her to feel pain, which to an extent, I understand hurt people hurt people. Yeah. I get it. But I just really don't like how fucking cruel he is being. Yeah. There's another moment, too, where uh, where Brooke is being very vulnerable saying that she was afraid of getting close to him again. And then he says, well, you don't have to worry about that now, do you? And I just wish, like, Lucas was held a little bit more accountable for this. And I guess at the end of the episode, he does say sorry, but it's not like he's saying sorry for all of this. He just says very flippantly, sorry. But, like, what are you apologizing for, my dude? I actually think, I don't know, you don't really like Lucas that much to begin with but i actually think this is even out of character for him personally yeah i don't i don't think this really matches his character i get his hurt i truly do because he has a right to be hurt by what brooke did even though they weren't together it's still hurtful and he because he was so vulnerable and and he was telling her over and over again like he wants to be with her it was as clear as day you know what i mean so he was putting himself out there and it just wasn't being reciprocated so then then she sleeps with Chris, so it's like another message that she doesn't want to be with him. And it's confusing, and they're teenagers. Like, I get all of that. I truly do. But there's another ho- whole thing to be really cruel to someone to this level. Um, I feel like in that moment, he could have shown his hurt. He could have even been a little shown, like, a, a, not anger, but like that he wasn't happy. Right. In a more respectful way than this was just pretty yeah. it was brutal. It was really brutal. Yeah. Like, I could, like I said, I do have a lot of space for him being upset with this. I get it. And he doesn't necessarily have to have a reason. Sometimes you just don't have a reason for being upset. But the fact that he's trying to come up with all these reasons, saying, like, oh, it's a skanky move, blah, 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 
It's just very, very inappropriate. And I hate this look on him. I do too. Ugh. I can't also, wait to talk about the good stuff later. <laughs> yeah, there's good stuff later. Um, but speaking of the good stuff and the bad stuff for a second, um, I sent you the promo for this episode. <laughs> and can we talk about how fucking mean it is, okay? I rem- So I remember watching this promo back in the day. So what happens is, okay, so in, in, in this scene that we just talked about, uh, Brooke says, Lucas, I care about you so much. And then Lucas says, well, you have a hell of a way of showing it. And then you know what they do for the promo? They show Brooke saying, I love you. And then they show the clip of Lucas saying, well, you have a hell of a way of showing it. Slicing the two scenes together to completely mislead you. They're two different scenes, but also if you pay attention, you can tell there's two different backgrounds. She's outside (laughs) in one and it's dark. And then he is clearly inside. So it just does. They don't even match like the time of day or whatever. (laughs) Right, okay. I, I mean, in defense of that, though, because, like, I remember watching this back in the day. Keep in mind, we did not have DVR or stream it at the time, so we could not rewind to double check. <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. If you're seeing it real fast, you're not really paying attention to that, but, like, knowing yeah. knowing that these are two very different scenes at two very different times. <laughs> uh-huh, yes. Looks really dumb. <laughs> but it was so funny. Like, I remember, like, seeing the promo for that scene... And being like, oh, God, that is so fucking rude. And I remember thinking, like, oh, shit. Brooke says, I love you. That is such a big deal. And then I feel like when by the time this episode came around and we actually saw the real scene, I feel like the power was kind of lost for me. Because I feel like that would have been such a big moment for her to say, I love you. And I feel like this uh, promo cheapened it. For me, personally. Yeah, I would not have seen that promo, so... Yeah, because you didn't get into it until episode 18 of the season. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I, I just wonder, like, what um what my experience would have been like if the promo wasn't released as it was. Yeah, it does kind of cheapen it. Mm-hmm. Because it, that's, that is such a major moment to, like, even give a sneak preview but nowadays yeah. trailers for movies give away all of the major plot points it's kind of I ridiculous <laughs> that's why i don't watch trailers anymore yeah. <laughs> i i've i can't believe they do that nowadays yeah no i legitimately do not watch trailers especially for sequels and whatnot i, do I don't not blame watch you them. <laughs> like i'll watch a trailer if i'm like okay like what is this movie like what's it all about um but if it's like a sequel or something I'm really, really looking forward to, I will avoid the trailer at all costs. That is totally understandable. But anyway, um, so Brooke is very fucking heartbroken. Um, but let's talk about a little bit about what uh, led her down this road. So the ladies get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> this is comical. <laughs> <laughs> Real quickly, before we get into that, I know we have a lot to say about that because that scene is hilarious. Um, But one thing I noticed when uh, Haley was arrested, did you notice the color of the door to um, Haley and Brooke's apartment is red? No, I didn't. Yeah, that means Brooke painted it over because I actually went back and checked uh, previous scenes with like Nathan Haley back when they lived in the apartment. That door is black. So... I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cute that Brooke moves into the apartment and then she immediately painted the door red. I don't know. I love that. (laughs) That is cute because she's still the girl behind the red door. (laughs) 
I don't know if we've seen that door at all this season, but I noticed that immediately. I was like, oh shit. I, I mean, I didn't notice it till this watch, but it was just funny to me. Uh, we should have seen that door. It was, remember, it was open for the fantasy boy draft dates when Nathan and oh, Haley yeah. were out on the like balcony thing. Yeah. But I never I'll paid have to attention. Check back and see if, yeah, I'll have to check back to see if it's red in other scenes, but yeah, I noticed that too, and I just immediately clocked it. Like, oh shit, it's <laughs> she's the girl behind the red door, always. <laughs> Yeah, that's super cute. I love that. Um, But anyway, I really like the deleted scene for them going into jail because they all have different mug shots and they have three different reactions. And this is just the great encapsulation of the three genders right here. Brooke is concerned about her makeup. Peyton wants a copy for her senior class photo. <laughs> and Haley's just like, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Haley didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Haley's I'm sorry. That was my favorite because he's just so Haley. It's like, what did I do? I didn't mean to. And then she gets all mad. Um, and so in the actual scene, she tells Brooke, I forget the exact line, but she says, you know, this is going to go on my permanent record, my college transcripts. I'm this close to beating your ass right now. Yeah, that's something. Getting arrested, <laughs> but I mean, Brooke and Peyton did steal that stuff. The fact that Haley was wearing it, though, that's like far fetched that she would also get. It's possession of solid property, like yeah, whatever. But <laughs> come on. One that I've I wanted to know every every time I watch this episode is I really don't think you get put in an orange jumpsuit if you're just in jail for a few hours. <laughs> no, but they had to get that image with the with the. The bars, like, them behind the bars, basically. Yeah, it works. It's funny. I like it, but it takes me out of it. Because, like, I know a lot of people who have been arrested for, like, stupid crimes and whatnot. I'm like, nobody has ever told me about an experience wearing an orange jumpsuit, okay? I know. Yeah. Not for, like, a little arrest like that. (laughs) Um, What I also found was funny, because Haley... Haley has to call someone to get them because, like, everyone has an absentee parent, basically. Mm. (laughs) So Haley has to figure out who to call, and she's about to call Nathan, and then the scene switches over, and Nathan's on the phone, and I can't... What exactly does he say? He says, uh, forget about it. I'm not giving you any money. You're going to rot in jail. Forget you. I'm like, this is so mean. Why do they have to give us... That's another misdirect, and that's actually in the episode. I know. That is a major misdirect. Yeah, you can (laughs) rot in jail. And you're like, oh my god, Nathan would say that? And then you see that he's on the phone with Chris. Yes. (laughs) Thank god. (laughs) Which we'll talk about a little bit. uh, That's the next bullet point on our outline. So then, in reality, Haley actually called Lucas to... Mm -hmm. um, he had to go into the apartment to get the cash, and Brooke was like, oh my god, he's going to see the letters. Which, we know that Lucas didn't see the letters. And he comes and gets, he pays for everyone, but he tells one of the officers to leave Brooke in there for an extra ten minutes. <laughs> Which adds to his overall meanness in this episode. So <laughs> like, fucking <honestly>. patty. <laughs> Super cruel. But this storyline kind of leads into Haley kind of consoling Brooke a little bit because Brooke is so upset about everything that's happened with Lucas. And Haley gives Brooke an idea to, like, keep 
pursuing her clothing designs and creating them. And then Haley will make a website for her so that they can sell the clothes or book can sell the clothes on there, which is a really good idea. And she does this all in an afternoon. I know. I'm like, is this supposed to be a day? Like, she had some unfinished dresses, and she was able to finish all them and then make all these concert jerseys and tees and everything, too. And create, like, the logos and everything and, like, actually, like, stitch them all in. Like, there's no way that she did that by herself. Also, does she have, like, a t-shirt printed machine or anything like that? I know, right? Oh, but let's just pretend. Let's just yeah. pretend. In the world There's of another the show. moment later on in the season where, like, Brooke does something like this. That should take, like, weeks, and she does it in, like, an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I have that big bold for my... I, I take notes throughout the season, but I binge it before we actually start recording. And I have that big bold letters. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, we just have to pretend that Brooke is really, really skilled. Yeah, for sure. But close over bros. <laughs> and I, this was another just to kind of go back a little bit. <laughs> Brooke, when she goes to get the um, designs from Peyton, which ends up being the close over bros logos or a part yeah. of them or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the heart, the flame and heart. Yeah. yeah. So Brooke says to Peyton, Haley, help me see the light. Instead of making out, I should be making clothes. <laughs> I just love that line and always have. <laughs> and then she says, but that clothes will make you look hot and then boys want to make out with you. Not the point. <laughs> it's just great, Brookline. Oh, uh, yes. But it's kind of interesting, though, that she uses that heart that's in that piece of Peyton art. Where uh, it wasn't even intended to rhyme there. Um, that uh, that piece of art where uh, it's supposed to be Peyton, Lucas, and Brooke shooting at the heart together. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. But I don't know if there's supposed to be a deeper meaning for that. But Well, I guess clothes over bros kind of relates to that history there in the original artwork. Oh, like, back to hoes over bros, because it's like, okay, hey, like, Peyton, you and I are saying, fuck this dude right now, let's... Exactly. Team up, essentially. Oh, and I want to defend the apostrophe that Haley called out. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's clothes over bros, bro, apostrophe S. But I like to think of it as um, clothes over belonging to bros, that's why I feel like the possessive is there. I know Brooke just says, it's my fashion line. I can do whatever I want to, which, yeah, go Brooke. But I like to think there is, like, an intentional device there. Yeah, I so clothes over bros. What's the possessive, though? Like, what is that possessing? Bros like, what? Like, you're the bros girlfriends. So you're not belonging to the bro. Got it. So you're putting the clothes over being the bros' girlfriends. Gotcha. I'm going to go with Haley still. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. But, uh. All right, Miss English teacher. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. It works. 
People put apostrophe S all the time when it's not technically supposed to. Yeah, but I think it works for this then. Like, that is my defense of this. Like, and keep in mind, too, like, I am a fucking writer, too, and I like I good grammar, are. okay? But, I mean, for the Brandon, I like this, and I'm... Uh, I am satisfied with it, and I understand Brooke's uh, approach to it, whether that was intentional or not. I just think she just did the apostrophe by accident, but for me, it works. Like, if I was her PR manager, <laughs> Brooke would be going so far. I'd be like, you'll see, there's a reason why there's an apostrophe there. You would have the whole rationale. Yes. I love I, it. I, I know shit. <laughs> this whole scene just makes me so happy. Like, with the whole fashion show, and, like, all the ladies walking out with their clothes, and the different styles, and it's it's just such a fun scene. And you're proud, as, like, a viewer, you're proud of Brooke. Like, this is really awesome. Like, she's taking all of these, you know, all of her hurt and emotions between, like, Lucas and, like, suburban filth and putting it into something good, so... Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the other good thing about this whole uh, interaction, too, is I love how Haley was so supportive of Brooke. Like, she says, oh, just because uh, Suburban Phil stole a few designs, they didn't steal your talents. And I just loved the how, they're, how she's advocating for Brooke here. Yeah. These two have come so far. And then Haley apparently helped her build a website. Who knew Haley had website design skills? That's cool. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I just, yeah, I'm loving this storyline. I'm excited to see where it will go. I want to see your clothes over bro shirt. You'll see it in person on October 19th, Caitlin. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, you'll have to tell me which one, what shirt I should wear. Okay, 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 cool. Well, we'll, we'll give each other like our full wardrobes. And did whatnot. you go with a maroon? Nail color? No, I got a black t-shirt, but I No, did you go with the maroon my... nail color? Well, I'm not getting no sun until like the week of. So, okay. yeah. But I maybe get maroon. Maybe I should have the listeners vote on this. Listeners, what color should I paint my nails for the Drama Queens live tape in? <laughs> Let us know. Let me know on Twitter, at Roderick and Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently leaning toward maroon. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> this is some insight into some of Caitlin and I's uh, <laughs> private conversations here. <laughs> I know, really important stuff. <laughs> really, yes, really important. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, are we ready to move on to Chris and Nathan? Yes. Can I just say these two together are so fun it's like a great like heist movie yeah. like i want to see like a buddy cop movie with these two the in the car my favorite is when they're in the car and that holiday song is on again <laughs> yes <laughs> which played in season two good yep. callback <laughs> and the very first thing that chris says is that they're going to be actually going to play poker to win the money back. And they're they're yeah. driving along and Nathan hears that and he breaks. <laughs> slams on the brakes. <laughs> so that's just like comedic in itself. And then a few minutes later, then Chris says that he actually kissed Haley at the masquerade party. And Nathan well, no, that's breaks not, that's again. That's much later, actually. The first thing that he does is... uh. He mentions the fact that, like, okay, it's a $100 buy-in for the poker game. I have about 500 bucks. And then Nathan's like, I thought you lost all the money. And then he's like, I did. This is the money that your dad gave me last week to do Sally. And then he stops again. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, it wasn't the 
It was the part about seducing Haley. It wasn't about kissing Haley. Yeah. And then Chris, yes. <laughs> so they stopped the car. <laughs> and then Chris is like, ow, I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yes. Which I'll, honestly. I'm remembering it wrong and looking at my notes. <laughs> um, Which I got to say, that's a great uh, power move for Chris. Like, you know, getting paid to do something and not actually do it. I love that. I love that for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so funny. So I'm just saying, like, you know, somebody could, like, that'd be, like, really funny. Somebody trying to blackmail me. So, like, hey, like, you know, here's, like, $2,000 to, like, ruin Caitlyn's career. I'll be like, okay, here, let's give it to me. And then I won't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't Dan going to find that out, though? Yeah, but Chris has the money. <laughs> What can Dan really do to Chris? I know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but anyway, to go back to what you were, uh, I mean, well, well, first, let's, I guess let's talk about this poker game, and then we'll talk about the big reveal yeah. about that Chris was Batman. So they play poker, and there's a lot of uh, problematic jokes toward the little person, Marty, who was played by Danny Woodburn. And then there are also jokes toward uh, the drag queen, Emmanuel who is played by Kelvin Ambergi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that name correctly. Yeah, I have to say, I don't like the whole poker part of this. I like the car scenes that we just talked about, and even kind of like after the poker game, but the whole poker stuff, it's just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like it was unnecessary. (laughs) Well, I mean, I, I actually like the poker scenes. Um, I just think because it's, I feel like Marty and Chris interacted with each other. I think those scenes are really funny. Minus the whole, like, short jokes. I feel like they could have done without it. But I did like that we had a little bit of diversity here, I guess. I mean, we have all white people still, but, you know, the fact that we have, like, a little person and we have a drag queen who, I mean, Nathan uses the term transvestite. I did a little deep dive into this person. Calvin Ambergi is, or was, a drag queen. Not a trans person. So just want to point that out for a second. Um, but yes. I forgot what I was saying. Oh, yeah. I like that you see it. <laughs> just not like, you know, that they're making jokes at the expense of little people and drag queens. Yeah. And I feel like that's the reason why they had these characters here was done to make those comments. I don't, I don't yeah, think it was to achieve diversity. Oh, no, not at, at all. all. It's to make fun of um, them, for sure. Yeah, it was to make fun of them. So, which is really a shame, and it oof, does not age well at all. Yeah. Like, how cool would it have been if they if they just had this scene and then didn't make fun of them later on? Because I think it's kind of fucking cool that a little person and a drag queen, um, like, beat Chris's ass at poker. I feel like that's kind of cool. That's kind of a cool, like, way to show, like, uh... Chris getting his comeuppance as, like, you know, a straight white guy, you know? But instead, they just keep making jokes. And that scene between uh, Nathan and Chris, where he just says, like, oh, like, we got beat a poker by a blah, 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 and a blah, 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 the words I'm not going to use. And then they, uh, then Chris says, wait, you think Emmanuel's a dude? And then Nathan says, Emmanuel has an Adam's apple and the scene just gets worse and worse. And I'm like, Ugh. I'm like cringing. Yeah, it's super when I watch cringy. Scene. Super mm-hmm. cringy. Um, yeah. If that scene like was not included, then it wouldn't have been as bad. There were the short yeah. comments though, like you said, during the actual poker game. 
But this this was then way worse, what Nathan said to Chris. Yeah, and Emmanuel doesn't even speak, for one, then. Like, she's literally there for the pot of the joke. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really hate it. But, and and I love the whole chase scene through the boat when they jump over, and that song, Lights and Sounds, my yellow card is playing. That is so iconic. I love it. Yeah, it's a really good scene with the the song. Because it, Mm. ooh, the action of it. And just, like, the pace, and then they're jumping off the boat. Yeah, perfect song for the moment. So, so great. But anyway, they jump in the water, they swim to shore, or wherever they're swimming to. And Chris is like, I can't swim! (laughs) And then they jump off anyway, and he's apparently dog paddling the whole time. Yes! I can relate, Chris, honestly, because I cannot swim either, so I would also be terrified if, like, I ever had to make a run for it, so... Yeah. I will not be playing poker against anybody, <laughs> yet alone Marty and Emmanuel on a boat. <laughs> oh. For one thing, I don't know how to play poker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So they jump off the boat, and then they get to shore, and obviously <laughs> Chris's guitar, which he's holding the whole time, is, like, waterlogged. But then he pulls it out, dumps the water out, and he hits a chord. <laughs> he's like... Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And Nathan's just pissed off. <laughs> like his phone is shot. He's pissed at Chris. Chris takes the money out of his pocket and he lost most of it. So like they're back to square one. Nathan's like, why can't you ever be honest? And Chris is like, I can be honest. And then he says, I kissed Haley at the masquerade party. And like, and that's how that is revealed right there. I mean, as an audience, like, we knew that he had the Batman costume. But we see earlier in the episode, Haley overheard um, someone at the studio say something about Chris and a Batman costume. And she was starting to, like, wonder, huh, Mm -hmm. was that Nathan? So then this, this whole scene with Nathan and Chris then reveals that even further, you know, that now... Basically, everyone knows, for the most part, <laughs> that Chris was the one who who kissed Haley. Yup. And Chris, his reasoning for kissing Haley was that he wanted to help Nathan and Haley get back together. Which, that's a little far-fetched, but he was like, I saw you fighting and I wanted to, like, make <laughs> things better. And I guess is that to show that Chris is feeling guilty for, like, breaking them up? Is he actually feeling guilty about that it seems like he is having a little bit of development right here actually i know and then we move to a later scene and chris was able to get the demos for nathan and then nathan realizes that chris doesn't have his guitar and chris you know said he sold it and you're almost kind of like i don't know how you were feeling but it was like i was almost sad about it (laughs) sad about Chris leaving yeah him walking off was kind of sad and the fact that he he sold his guitar um to get you know Haley's demos I think says a lot and like you said there is a little bit of development here finally yeah he's not just a jerk in this moment and it's a shame that he's like he's actually gone but 
yeah, I, no, I, I am a little bit sad, too. And let me tell you, just a little behind-the-scenes tidbit for you, and you know, this is, I mean, not behind-the-scenes tidbit for you, by the time the listeners get to this episode, you'll already have seen this, probably. Um, but the scene where he's, like, where he's th- there's just, like, the black sky, and then Chris is actually just, like, looking off into the distance, I actually use that as our promo pick for this episode, just because I think it's a pretty shot. <laughs> Yeah, it is like him walk him walking off into the distance, you mean? Yeah, mhm. Yeah, it's an interesting shot because like they show him walking away from Nathan, and Nathan I think asks him if he needs a ride and he's like no. And then later on, I guess part was a part of the coda or was it like right before the coda? You see um Chris walking again. Yeah, you just see him walking off. Yeah. Yes, mhm. So it it comes back to it, and it, I don't know, there was kind of, like, a sadness there. I, I've always mm. kind of felt that when I watched the scene. It was like, to me, I see this whole storyline, even though the poker stuff, I don't particularly... I like, I like them paired together. I like the humor of Chris and Nathan. And I think these two characters should have been paired together for a few reasons. I think... It shows, well, this particular storyline shows almost that Chris is sorry for what he did in a way. Like, I mean, I guess people could disagree with that, but I think he is a little sorry for it. I mean, there's going to be Naily fans who will hardcore disagree with this, because I feel like there's some Naily fans who just will not like Chris whatsoever. I mean, he cares (laughs) enough to, like, have sold his guitar and to get the demos. And I think that says something. But also, I think that Nathan and Chris had to have a scene together to get some resolution. Because obviously, these two characters have been at odds for since season two. And I think this is, an, this is a good send-off for Chris. Like, there is some resolution here. He, he came back. He helped Haley with, with her music. There were no romantic feelings involved at all. And then she... He, Gets the demos in the end, and now he's leaving. Like, yeah, I think even Nathan felt bad that he sold his guitar. So that also shows, like, <laughs> that Nathan kind of feels a little bit for Chris too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I really love seeing these two together. I just feel like uh, I'll say James Lafferty and Tyler Hilton. I feel like they had amazing chemistry together, and it's a shame that we didn't get to see this relationship develop. I don't know how. I don't know what else they could have done from this point moving forward, but it would have been cool if the two of them became like BFFs or something. Yeah, I think they did have good chemistry. Uh, the humor was perfect. I also to get into some fan fiction territory in an alternate because I love Nathan and Haley together. And I would never like you know pull these two apart, but in an alternate reality version where Haley is toxic, I would have liked to have seen Chris and Nathan dates. Oh, of course, you would. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be a good storyline right there, where it's like, okay, like, you know, the person who kissed my wife and, like, you know, made me break up with my wife, and now I'm with him. I know, right? That That is a turn of events. <laughs> That's for sure. I would love to see that happen. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that in stories before. I- I've seen stories where, like, two women, their boy, um, they find out that they're both dating the same guy, and then the two of them end up dating each other. I've seen that story happen before, but I never saw that version happen before. And if you have any recommendations, please send them my way. (laughs) 
because <laughs> I want it. <laughs> but anyway, irrelevant. <laughs> Chris Chris Keller's work here is done. All right, but... we're getting into some big reveals. Woo! <laughs> Are we ready? Ah, <laughs> uh, the moment we've all been <laughs> waiting for. <laughs> Karen Rowe, 2024. Yes, the only Karen who deserves rights, <laughs> except she loses. Um, one thing that I found to be uh, found to be very interesting, Dan thinks this uh, this ad is going to attract a wife beaters, S and M freaks, and I'm like, do not talk bad about S and M freaks like that, Dan. Okay, S and M freaks do not want anything to do with you. Okay. Because you know what? We believe in consent, okay? And, and I'm, oh my god, I'm calling myself out. I said, wait, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to keep that in or cut it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it in, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> so, anyway, that's it. That's all. That, that's that's all I wanted to, I wanted to make note of that. <laughs> Let me gather my thoughts a second. Um, <laughs> I just gave Caleb like this big revelation. She's like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Good. I, I support you, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, I have more to say, actually. That's completely unrelated to S&M Freaks. So. Go for it. So Dan watches the, uh, he, he watches the video and he says, well, well, so that's who tried to kill me. And I love how vague he is throughout the entire episode, because he shows the video to Karen later, and he says, look, see, there's somebody buying liquor, and I believe that's somebody you care about buying it. And I just love how vague he is, saying, someone, someone. And then Karen later talks to Lucas, and she says, I worry about that person, Lucas. I really do. (laughs) It's just like... Who talks like this? I know they're trying to like keep it hidden for the audience so we don't like find out. <laughs> but come on, nobody talks like this. I know, and I don't really understand when Dan goes to Karen and asks her to concede and shows her the footage, like why would she need to concede? Because he was blackmailing her. He was saying that like if you don't concede, I will tell everybody that this person did it. This person. Whoever this person is that Dan thinks, we don't know at this moment. Okay. That makes more sense. Because I was like, I didn't really understand like what the purpose of her conceding <laughs> would do. But it's just to protect someone else who we don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I think Karen maybe decided not to concede later on. Because she ultimately ended up realizing, like, okay, Dan doesn't have any shred of evidence about this person that he thinks tried to kill him. So I think maybe she just took a chance. And we do see Karen call someone up and she says, did you try to kill Dan? Because I need to know the truth. And I'm just saying, Karen, my girl, if you hear about an attempted murder, do not call the person. I don't care. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, why would you say those words over the phone? (laughs) Come on, Caitlin and I are not murderers, <laughs> but <laughs> we'd like to think we would know how to get away with it at the very least, bare minimum, <laughs> you know? I mean, I feel like that's just common sense <laughs> not to say that over the phone. Just, yeah. It's like, 
I hope your calls aren't getting traced. What then? You're an elected official too. Or you, you could be an elected official. I'm pretty sure there's more investigations on you. Is there? I have no idea. I'm just making that up. <laughs> yes, it does. But then, uh, what we call it? Uh, Dan does this little uh, speech where he basically tries to do damage control for that damn video that was released in the last episode. Trying to say, like, that's a man at his worst. And, of course, all the conservative people are like, oh, yeah, this is a man at his worst. He's human. Aww. I know. And he was saying how he's, like, a work in progress or whatever. And did, yeah. did you see did his you notice speech all his notes? Note cards? Go ahead, what? Did you see his speech notes? I was literally just saying that. Yes. <laughs> Pause to choke up in caps. Yeah, I never noticed that before because he does like get choked up and says, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, wow, that was written into the speech. Like he wrote that with the intention of making himself look more dramatic. Yeah, I read there were two cards, but I only read the, the second one because the first one he was like moving. So you couldn't really see it. But like basically he was saying verbatim what was on the card. Yep. Yeah, I didn't realize that. It's it's clever. It shows how manipulative he is and how, like, conniving he is. So I I mean, I hate it, but I love it. It's like a character moment. It just illustrates the kind of person that Dan is. I know. <laughs> he has to be reminded to choke up. Because <laughs> he has no soul. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's what I do sometimes on this podcast. I like I have in my notes pause to choke up. <laughs> Especially the moments when I'm talking about like Lucas. I'm like, pause to choke up. I have space for this. Just, just... <laughs> <laughs> I do write that sometimes in my notes. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's not only my my notes sometimes. It's really just like plot point, plot point, joke here, joke here, joke, joke. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so i want to talk about mm-hmm. this scene with yep, yep, lucas and deb because yes, the yes, song yes. that's playing since it's technically not the coda but it's the song before the coda or mm-hmm. actually it's like two songs before the coda um is disintegration by jimmy eat world and i have to say this is the most like perfect song for this moment mm-hmm. perfectly builds mm-hmm. the tension Oh my god, I get goosebumps listening to it. <laughs> I love it so much. So we see uh, Deb is kind of waiting in the back because Dan's about to make his speech and Lucas approaches her and Deb says to Lucas, how's your mom doing? And Lucas says, she's worried about you. She just doesn't know it. And then you as the audience are like, what? I know. <laughs> and then we get all these flashbacks to the mm-hmm. night of the fire. Lucas gives, well, first, Lucas gives her that card for everything you've done. Yeah. And then Deb says, for everything you've done, I I don't understand. And Lucas is like, I think you do. And then you as the audience are putting the pieces together. I, I, re- I remember watching this episode live. It was fucking great. <laughs> okay. oh and gosh. I remember like getting so pumped during this moment. <laughs> And then, yep, you see the flashbacks. Go ahead, explain those. Yeah, so you see the flashbacks to the fire, and obviously, you know, Dan and the dealership, and you see the black hooded person get into a car, take the hood down, it's Deb, and then you see Lucas see Deb. So this entire time, Lucas has known that it was Deb who set the fire. He's been keeping that secret this entire time. 
And because he was there because he saved Dan in that moment. It's so wild. This is such a great reveal. So amazing. (laughs) And I want to know, why did Lucas keep this a secret for so long? I know. Like, from Zed, at the very least. Like, why did he say, like, hey, um, just so you know, I have this little piece of paper as evidence. Um, I know you did it. Not going to do anything. (laughs) Yeah, what was... That's my question. Why in this moment... When the election is going on, did Lucas decide to go up to Deb? I don't know. What, why in this moment? Because I know, like, Karen was worried about this person, and I know she said that to Lucas, this this unknown person at the time. And then, you know, obviously now we know Lucas knew this whole time that it was Deb. And so just because he was, like, hearing... Karen worry about it made him like confront Deb. I I'm trying to work through like the reasoning <laughs> of why. Maybe maybe he realized it's like oh no Dan's gonna stop at nothing to go after this person who tried to kill him. Yeah. So let me try to tell this person that Dan knows something. And now that he has won, like at that point they knew that he was he won basically like unofficially, but like he I think. He was he hadn't um given his final speech and everything yet, but they knew that he won mayor. So I guess maybe Lucas was thinking, Wow, Dan has even more power now. What could he potentially do to this person? Or what to yeah. Deb? And that is what made him act. Mm-hmm. Huh. I don't know. The, the, but the way I see it though, now that Dan won the election, Deb can now leave Dan. She can now move out. So I want to know, like, why did she leave town and leave Nathan behind? I don't really like that. The two of them could have just left together. Yeah. Like, she could cut off contact with Dan from this moment forward if she wanted to. Yeah, that's interesting. We still have not seen this videotape, though, that apparently is showing Deb buying the alcohol. Well, maybe. But I feel like if Dan knew that Deb tried to kill him, he probably would have confronted her right away. I know. So I'm wondering, is that Zab in the video? I don't really... Because we have not seen it. Yes. The only people that we know have seen it are Dan and Karen. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Interesting. Very I I interesting. We'll... But regardless, I still don't like the fact that she just left Nathan behind. The two of them are supposed to leave together. I know. What the heck? What was that about? Mm-hmm. Not entirely certain. And I also, before we get into the coda, I want to say the scene. So Dan wins the election, and then Deb, she disappears. And then yeah. he says, in so many words, oh, I think I have it written down. He's, he's, he says, I, yes. guess, uh, I guess it's true what yes, they say. It's it. lonely <laughs> at the top. Yeah. <laughs> I found it. I have it written down. And he also says in, uh, in a speech earlier, well, you can't kill Dan Scott. And it's like, oh, look at that. A little on the nose, One Tree Hill, but cool. <laughs> yep. And I, yeah, I just love that line. I guess it's true what they say. It's lonely at the top. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, Deb is getting out right away. Like, that was the deal. You know? Do yeah, the campaign and then I'm out. And now she has, I guess, more reason to be out because Lucas knows and I don't know. But Lucas isn't going to say anything, (laughs) you know? 
I would like, why didn't Lucas just like destroy that piece of evidence? Why did he hold on to that piece of evidence? Is he just use it as like leverage to maybe overdub? In which case, like, what do you need leverage over Deb for? I don't really understand. No, I don't think so. So, whatever. <laughs> I guess it's just for poetic effect, trying to show, like, we'll see, Lucas knows. And obviously, like, he had to show Deb that he knew. So I guess it's like a, it's a poetic device at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it's just used <laughs> for for the, you know, the sh- purpose of the show, for viewers to see, like, that physical piece of evidence. Um <laughs> All right, are we ready for this coda of all codas? I am fucking ready <laughs> for this. So the song is For Blue Skies by Strays Don't Sleep. And it kicks off in Deb's car. Deb pulls out her phone and dials. There's one ring before the phone is picked up on the other ends. Do you want to be Deb? Hi, it's me. Lucas knows. Who is she calling? I know, so someone else is involved? (laughs) Big giant question mark. Does she have a partner? I don't know. All right, then we're at the council building. Dan's holding his arms up again as he wins the election. The balloons continue to fall and Dan claps. His smile slowly vanishes. Because he won, but at what cost? Also, um, while we're on that note about the uh, the election and everything, I, I do want to say, I noticed that all of Dan's uh, campaign posters are red and Karen's are all blue. Yeah. No comments. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are in Nathan's bedroom. Oh, before, before okay. we even get to that scene, we see uh, Nathan listening to Haley's music. And we hear oh, yes. Halo... I'm Anthony Joy Lens for the first time. Well, it's actually Halo by Haley James Scott. But thank you very much. It's so amazing. <laughs> it is actually credited as Haley James Scott for those who do not know. If you try to listen to the album, it literally says it's by Haley James Scott, not Bethany Joy Lens. Well, you know what I mean, and I <laughs> I love this song so much. Yes, so so much. I do too. You only hear a little snippet of it though. I know. But it's excellent. So now we're in Nathan's bedroom. You can continue. (laughs) Okay. Nathan is sitting on his bed. Haley walks in. And then we have a big scene between Nathan and Haley. Who do you want to (laughs) be? I don't don't know. Who should I be? I could be Haley. We already know who I'm going to be in the big uh, Brooke and Lucas scene. I know that. So I'm going to choose for this one. (laughs) Okay, you choose. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be Nathan or Haley? I want to be Haley, I think. Oh, okay, Are you cool. okay with that? <laughs> yeah, sure. We can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to be really cute and really shy. Mm-hmm. This is weird that we're doing these really romantic scenes together. <laughs> it's like, it's, I guess like five-year-old me who thought I was straight is really excited by this now. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Okay. Oh, no, I killed Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hey. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for calling me. What's wrong? Your song is great, Haley. Chris played it for me. It's, uh, it's a long story, but uh, it's really great. I just wanted you to know that. Oh, okay. My mom left. For good, I think. 
Oh, and apparently my dad's the mayor now, so... Yeah, today's really sucked ass. Oh, Nathan, I'm so sorry. You know, for most of my life, I would have gone through all this alone. Then I met you, and I finally found someone I could depend on when life got like this. So I guess I called you, because I wanted to know if that was still there. Nathan, you can always call me. Always and forever. I want to ask you something. Um, the night of the masquerade party. Did we... Did you kiss me? Of course I did. Haley smiles, relieved, and they kiss. Oh, no you didn't. That kiss wasn't half as good as this one. But I love you for lying to me. Thanks for calling. <laughs> she kisses him on the cheek, gets off the bed, and walks to his door. Haley? Yeah? Stay with me tonight. Oh, I was hoping you would say that. They grin, and Haley closes the door. <laughs> Wait for the blooper reel for that scene that we will be dropping on Patreon later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, we are now at the exited Tree Hill Road. In the evening, Chris walks down the road carrying his guitar case. Beautiful, beautiful shots. Yes, it is. And then we are in Brooke and Haley's bedroom. Brooke stands in the room, not moving. She looks on, tears in her eyes. She takes down the last picture on the vacation wall, the one of her and Lucas. She looks at it. And then we are at the door to Lucas's bedroom. There's a knock on Lucas's door. The camera pans to it. Lucas opens his door and sees Brooke standing there. She's holding the box of letters and walks just inside the door. And I'm going to minimize my script because I want to challenge myself. Okay. Let me get in character. There are 82 letters in here. And they're all addressed to you. I wrote them all this summer. Wanna say, but I never sent any of them because I was afraid. Brooke. I was afraid of getting my heart broken again. Like before. Cause you hurt me so bad and I was afraid to be vulnerable. And I was afraid of you and the way that you make me feel. And I know that doesn't matter now after what I did. But I just thought that you should know. This has been my summer, Luke. What in you? I was just too scared to admit it. Brooke. I'm sorry. What you did with Chris. It's okay. It's not. It can't be. It's too much to forgive. Well, that's too bad. Because I forgive you. You can't. I just did. So you're going to just have to deal with it. I'm the guy for you, Brooke Davis. And I know I hurt you last time we were together, but... I love you. I love you, too. Pretty girl. <laughs> Did I get all my lines correctly? The only thing you said a little bit different 
is it's supposed to say this is how I spent my summer, Luke. And you said something a little bit different than that. But you were like dead what on. Did I saw even the, oh no. Even the pauses. Like, <laughs> dang, Jeremy. <laughs> what did what did I say? This is how I spent my summer, Luke. You didn't it's supposed to be this is how I spent my summer, Luke. This I think you said this was my summer, Luke. Oh. That was the like the only thing that you said wrong. <laughs> okay. You did really, well, really good. Cool. Um oh and I guess we should like, you know, note the one big thing that happens. Uh she walks forward and they kiss. The shot zooms out on them. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanna note that when Jeremy was reciting this, <laughs> they had a box in their hands. <laughs> <laughs> that was totally unexpected. I had to hold back laughter. <laughs> I just wanted to do something unexpected right you here. Had props. Oh my gosh. I did. <laughs> that was totally unplanned. So I'm like, oh shit, there's a box right here that I can literally just pull out. Are you serious? No, I literally just thought of it. I was like, there, there's a box chilling right here. And I'm like, oh, let me use this just to be funny. <laughs> oh, that was too good. I know podcast is a visual medium, and nobody saw that, but I knew Caitlin would appreciate it. So. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. You do that so well. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so Thank well. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> that is an epic scene. It really, really is. And it makes me completely forget the fact that Lucas was pretty shitty to prop <laughs> before this. I know, and it's like, what makes him forgive her so quickly? Just the vulnerability of all those letters in that box? Yes, and I feel like the fact that Brooke is actually being honest with the fact, like, why she did what she did, I feel like this is just a moment where he realizes, like, okay... Brooke does want me because I because I feel like Lucas has been dropping so many hints saying like Brooke I want you I want you I want you and I guess it was nice to see that Brooke actually did want him and that fear got in the way that's why she made this a whole friends with benefits thing um yeah you mean non-exclusive whatever you want to call it (laughs) you know that was really just a way for her to like protect herself and I think in this moment yes her emotion is so raw the letters, even though he hasn't read them, like, just the fact that someone's handing you a box of letters that they have written you, I mean, that is really the sweetest, sweetest thing. I don't know how you could deny someone in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it's just such exactly. such an epic scene. And I, I know you watched this even more than I did, but I remember re-watching this so many times, too, with my best friend Jenna, and... We, we love this coda. <laughs> yes. Just as and... much as you and I do. So <laughs> it's, it is amazing on so many levels. Yes. And shout out to my old friend, Kathy, who uh, videotaped this episode for me without commercials. Like she was like a fucking rock star. And let me tell you that this VHS tape, I wore it out. (laughs) I watched this episode over and over again, especially because this is the mid-season finale. We we did not have One Tree Hill for another month. Okay. (laughs) So like I literally spent the entire month just watching this episode over and over again. And it's, yeah, it, there's so many things that are like, you're just left, oh my god, every pairing of the characters, or, or characters on their own, like, 
their storylines are so interesting in this moment. Mm-hmm. And to wait for a whole month is a lot. Really. It is. Um, so, but the code is not even over. <laughs> and yes, yeah, so the next thing, we are in Peyton's bedroom. Peyton is on her computer looking through enter search fine411.com <laughs> for Ellie's name. It comes up with one address. Ellie lives at 408 Kanisha Club Road, River City, North Carolina. Then we cut to Peyton sitting at the computer, smiling. Do you want to be Peyton or do you want to be Pangle? I'll just be Peyton. Okay. I found her. Are you happy now? No, but you are. You can wake up now. And then I like it to see how, like, uh, the angel of death just fades away, just to show that, like, this is something that Peyton is doing in her waking life. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And it, it's like I said before, like, the, the angel of death was like a vehicle to get Peyton to this moment where she mm-hmm. found Ellie. And now, now, as an audience, we wonder what is going to happen next. Yep. And we'll have to wait another month. But then we go to Lucas's bedroom. Lucas and Brooke are on Lucas's bed, kissing. He puts a hand on her face. So sweet. And then we're in Nathan's bedroom. Nathan and Haley are on Nathan's bed, doing the same thing, only a little more. Nathan pulls away and takes his t-shirt off. He's wearing his wedding ring around his neck. Haley sees it and smiles. She pulls him back down by the ring and kisses him again. They interlocked fingers. This is so hot. (laughs) (laughs) Damn! (laughs) These two have... Oh my, the chemistry they have. Wow. (laughs) Zoom in on his chest. Yeah, and like they zoom in on that scar and it kind of makes me wonder, like, that's supposed to... They're showing the scar, I guess, kind of healing. And I guess maybe in this moment, that could be a symbol for their relationship in a way, too. Yeah, because his heart was broken. So, you know, there's like a scar on his chest that's very, uh, very on the nose, but cool. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Yes, very on the nose. (laughs) But I like it. I just love that moment when she grabs the necklace and pulls him down. And that's, I mean, we've been waiting for them to be back together. And I just, I love them so much. Oh my gosh, I just love it. And then... We haven't even talked about the song that's playing, which, I mean, let's just, it's my favorite musical moment. Is it yours? (laughs) It's mine, too, yes. I just love how this song, it's so perfect. And especially that line that you hear in the background, I forgive you. It, yeah, it, oh, it fits, it fits it so well. It, it's perfect. Which is, like, it's so great, too, because I feel like that's just, like, the one thing that anybody wants to hear. And the fact that it keeps getting repeated, too. I forgive you. I forgive you. And, like, this really haunted way. And I just feel like, you know, if you, um, I don't know, if you've ever been in a situation where you have hurt somebody and then having that person forgive you, it's the most rewarding feeling in the world. You know? Of course, when you deserve that forgiveness, which in this case, the characters did. You know? It just makes me so happy just between the the Lucas and Brooke stuff and the Haley and Nathan stuff. Oh, my gosh. It's like so much overload almost (laughs) at once. Like, usually the code is, I mean, 
One Tree Hill Codas are amazing. We have already established that. But we don't even usually get this much stuff in a coda. You know, this is a lot. <laughs> We're getting like two of the major couples and two huge moments all at once. Yeah. And it was a nice change of pace, too, because I feel like before watching One Tree Hill, I always was so used to characters being miserable. And this was, like, a real change of pace for me, if at least for, like, the types of shows I was consuming at that time, to actually see a bunch of characters be happy. And, like, and that's the cliffhanger, the fact that they're all happy. Like... I know. It, it was just completely unprecedented for me. And I feel like that's always something I really liked about One Tree Hill. They're not afraid to show characters be happy. That You make a really good point, because it's true. It's It's... Yes, this coda is a cliffhanger in a lot of ways because of the whole, like, um, you know, Deb trying to kill Dan and uh, she's leaving town. Like, there is a lot of mystery surrounding that. But you're right. The Haley and Nathan and the Brooke and Lucas stuff is happy. But in a way, it, it is like a cliffhanger but not like a negative one. It's like, oh, I want to keep seeing these characters. I want to see what's yeah, going to like, happen next. I want next. to see them be happy more. Yes, it's like a <laughs> teaser to like what's to come, you know? I'm obsessed. Also, can I just say like uh, these last few scenes, we see Lucas and Brooke in bed together. They're just kissing. And then we see Nathan Haley, presumably having sex. And I like that this is like a change of paces, a change of pace for like both of their relationships because, you know, Lucas and Brooke, their relationship used to just be purely physical. And then Nathan Haley, and I'm not trying to, like, make sex seem more powerful or anything like that, but the fact that they are, like, consummated their reunion, I feel like is a very powerful scene. And it just shows how, um, how these two couples have to, are moving on in different, in different capacities. And it, it's different for each of them. Because for Lucas and Brooke, it's more about the emotional intimacy and then Nathan Haley, it seems like they have the physical, they've had the emotional intimacy for the longest time, but now they're getting more physical and they're getting more physically close. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like what each relationship needs in that moment. Brooke and Lucas, it makes a little bit more sense to take things slow because of the past, you know? Um, yeah, I, I totally see that. I totally agree. Absolutely. But anyway, and then right after this episode, I watched the mid-season finale for season two of Veronica Mars because, yes, I know this, this aired on the same night. <laughs> oh, did they really? Yes. <laughs> did I ever tell you? That was, like, my big thing for, um, for like, this this general season. I would watch, uh, it, was, it was One Tree Hill at 8 o'clock on the WB, and then Veronica Mars was at 9 on the UPN, and I would have to quickly switch channels to watch both of them. Wednesday nights were, like, my shit. <laughs> freshman year of high school <laughs> but yes the mid-season finale that's the spoilers for veronica mars it's the episode where meg manon dies okay but the tones were completely different for these two episodes. that's for sure <gasps> so so december 7th 2005 my emotions were all over the place okay <laughs> anyway so we've all know our favorite musical moments um i have honorable mentions for yellow card and um the yellow card song and the Jimmy Eat World song. Um, what was your favorite quotes? Yes, I have to agree. Honorable mentions for those two songs as well. Favorite quote is Brooke's speech. I'm not going to repeat it. You did it justice. <laughs> yeah. But do, 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 are you sure you don't want me to do it again? <laughs> I was afraid of getting my heart broken again. Like before. Oh my God. 
Because you hurt me so bad, and I was afraid to be vulnerable. And I was afraid of you and the way that you make me feel. And I know that doesn't matter now after what I did. I just thought that you should know. This is how I spent my summer, Luke. One in you. I was just too scared to admit it. All that to say, that's my favorite part, so. <laughs> yeah, you just had to say it again, of course. <laughs> and then my honorable mention for a quote would be what Haley said to Nathan. Oh, no, you didn't. That kiss wasn't half as good as this one. Oh, that's hell just yeah. such a good line. <laughs> And there's a bunch of other moments, too. Like, I feel like uh, Lucas's uh, whole speech to Deb saying, like, he um he has no proof. Like, I don't know, that whole th- delivery, the delivery gives me yeah, chills. Yeah, that's good. Um, also, little, little shout out, this isn't really a quote, but remember when uh, in the jail cell, when Haley is, like, yelling at Brooke and then Peyton pulls her away, and then Peyton's like, okay, okay, come on. And then they bring her over to another bench, and then there's another inmate who's like, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know why, but that moment makes me laugh every time. <laughs> like, I want to see the bloopers for these scenes, because it's got to be... Those had to be amazing. Oh, so, so good. But anyway, this episode had some flaws, um, but I can't... I can't downplay my love for it, which is why I'm changing up the scale here. I'm giving it 82 out of 82 letters addressed to Lucas Scott's. <laughs> well, and I give it five out of five boxes of letters. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, this is the only episode where we can like change the scale. Okay, Caitlin. Uh-huh. Yeah, 82. Mm-hmm. 82 out of 82. It's Otherwise, it is five out of five. But, you know, come on. We have to use 82 in there. Yeah, it had its flaws. I think... We've already addressed that with the whole uh, Nathan and Chris storyline and the transphobia and then also the, the fat shaming and, yeah, you know, all of yeah. it, like, all of that stuff is problematic mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Um, but I can't help my love for the coda. Like, the last, the latter half of the episode is just so good. It makes up for any parts yep. that I thought maybe weren't as strong it just makes you feel good like i am so so happy to see brucus back together Nailey's back together i know and like we get i i absolutely love like how disintegration plays and that's almost like the first coda <laughs> and then then we get the little snippet of, of halo and then we get four blue skies and there's so many excellent moments and i'm just wanting more after this absolutely wanting more but luckily we do not have to wait a whole month for our next episode (laughs) that is true (laughs) always and forever is on twitter instagram and facebook at always oth pod you can also email us at always oth pod at gmail.com I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. And I'm Caitlin Ellenich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find.
find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. I want an excuse to talk again about that time there was a campaign on MySpace back in the day during season five, where, uh... These fans were trying to get the writers to put Lucas and Brooke back together again. So they uh, rounded up 82 fans to write letters, which were then delivered to the show's creator. I was one of those 82 letters. Thank you very much. I can't believe that. (laughs) I don't know if those letters were ever delivered or anything. So what did you write in the letter? I don't fucking remember. So it was supposed. <laughs> I wish I. It was supposed to convince them to keep Lucas and Brooke together. Yeah, or put them back together. Yeah, because I was a teenager at that point, and I was so like all into like ship wars and shit like that. <laughs> I would never do this today because I hate to say, but like seeing Lucas and Peyton together it is a good progression for the story. It's good for the story. Okay. Lucas and Peyton. Yes. Lucas and Peyton? Yeah, you heard me. I'm not repeating myself, okay? If you want to hear it again, you can you can <laughs> listen back to the episode, Caitlin, okay? I, I can't hear you. We're breaking up. The, Your nope, internet connection you, is not working right now. <laughs> you'll hear it when you add it. You'll hear it when you add it. It'll all be there. <laughs> yeah, and then it makes me think, like... This beautiful moment at the end of 309 is quickly, like, the tone of that does not, is not consistent in 310. Because we already have the whole Lucas going with Peyton to find Ellie, and this stirs up all these healings in Brooke. So it's like a rude awakening. It's like this beautiful moment. And then the next episode, it's already like back to reality. These two aren't going to work out because Brooke is just neurotic about Peyton and worried. And and it's just, it like ruins it right away. Yeah. And, pr- and pretty much for the rest of the season too, mm-hmm. like Brooke is always insecure. And, you know, we've, we've said this before in other spoiler segments, like it's really like I, I enjoy them in this episode, but I don't really enjoy them after this. I feel like I was so attached to this scene. I'm like, oh, this is so sweet. They're back together again. And then the relationship is not good moving forward. I wish they had given them a few more episodes of it just being okay before they turn it to this anxiety. Like, with this focus on Brooke's anxiety, you know? Like, they should, they deserved, and I know I'm a latent shipper, but, like, Brooke has definitely deserved to have some episodes where... It wasn't focused on all of Brooke's worries and Lucas trying to convince Brooke that everything is good and he loves her and he doesn't want Peyton, you know? Ugh, I, I, I actually wish that we had gotten more of that happiness, to be honest. Wow. So. Same, same. But 
again, now that I'm older, I think about this whole thing differently. It's, yeah, I would have liked for them to have more happy moments together. <sighs> but I, it's just, it really baffles me, the fact that I was so attached to Brooke and Lucas back in the day. And I'm not saying I'm attached to Lucas and Peyton. <laughs> yeah. I don't like Lucas with anybody. Let's make that clear. Oh, boy. As I've said before, but it's just... Mm, we'll see. And, you know, we'll unpack that as we move along. Also, the other thing. Uh, so, Deb is calling Keith. Because we learn in the next episode. Or two episodes from now? I'm not entirely sure. Um, so, Keith was going to originally kill Dan. And then Deb stops him. And then Deb says, okay, I'll do it instead. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, I know. I can't remember exactly when that is revealed. But he returns to town uh, soon. Yeah, he comes back in episode 11. So episode 10 is when Zeb confesses to Nathan. Um, and then Keith explains, like, Deb's role in the whole thing in the next episode after that. Got it. Okay. So well, I think what we're led to believe, and I know, like, we danced around it in the episode itself, we were led to believe that Dan saw Keith in that video. That's what I was thinking, too, that we were leading to that, because, like, it couldn't be Deb in the video for reasons we said in the regular episode, that it wouldn't have made sense. He would have just confronted Deb. Yeah. So, and then this, we also know this person matters to Karen, so, like, honestly, who else could it be? It could be Anzi. There was a little bit of a red herring there, which, oh my god, I can't believe we didn't even mention that. Uh, Karen gets flowers from Andy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's a nice little red herring right there, I think. Yeah, was it meant to be that? I think it's meant to remind you that Andy exists. Mm-hmm. To try to, like, maybe throw you off a little bit. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think think about it that way. And also, too, we know that, like, Lucas and uh, Keith, uh, like, haven't been in touch. They obviously did get back in touch at some point, because they, I believe they touch on it in two episodes from now, where they say, like, oh, thanks for calling, blah, blah, blah. Um, so they did get back in touch somehow off screen. But you could be led to believe that she is calling, um, calling Andy here. Yeah, that's true. She could be calling Andy. That's a good point. I, you know, since I obviously know who, who she's... Who it actually is. <laughs> that it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those complicated things where, like, you know, we can't unknow what we know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> we know too much. <laughs> it's hard to separate that, but. I always have that problem, like, whenever I'm talking with a friend who doesn't want spoilers, and, you know, if there's, like, a mystery like this, I'll be like, I can't say anything because I know too much, and I'm afraid I'll spoil this. <laughs> That's, like, my general thing right here. <laughs> Um, I have no idea how we're going to talk around the fact that it was Haley is pregnant. You keep bringing that up. Yeah, that's next season. <laughs> I'm just saying, I it's giving me so much anxiety, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Did I tell you, uh, my friend Nicolette, uh, she was watching it, and she watched season four, episode one, and she, te- she texted me, and she was like, oh, wow, so Haley's pregnant, cool. And I'm like, wait... Y- how far into you? How far into season four are you? And she's like, "Oh, I just watched the first episode." I'm like, "You're not supposed to know that." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, really. Yeah, she picked it up like immediately, <laughs> and then she thought it was so funny, like watching the subsequent episodes where it's like they're trying to make you believe it's Brooke, but she caught on right away. And 
Yeah, if you like, if you watch the episode now, it you can pick up on the clues. It's actually very clever in how it's done. But the fact that like you know she just picked up on it immediately, not knowing anything, was fucking <laughs> wild to me. That is wild. <laughs> so. But anyway, there was a lot of uh, fun, happy stuff into this episode, and it'll be great to see what will happen in this brave new world that is season three, episode 10, which we'll discuss next week. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, Lucas hits the road with Peyton, who's searching for Ellie. Nathan learns what really happened the night of the fire, and Brooke's clothing website debuts. In no time, she has 43 orders and only four dresses. Dun, dun, dun. And, and I'm really happy that she didn't, like, cringe at my um, at my transition to the episode name. I'm very... <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, achieved that. Did I achieve something? I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty decent. Well, now I feel like I have to go back to cringe. It's, it's weird. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing ya. ya. That was good. Did we do this? Did we do that well? Good job. I think we were in sync. Okay. I was like, cool, cool, cool. I hate to say, but like seeing Lucas and Peyton together, it is a good progression for the story. It's good for the story, okay? Lucas and Peyton? Yes. Lucas and Peyton? Yeah, you heard me. I'm not repeating myself, okay? If you want to hear it again, you can you can <laughs> listen back to the episode, Caitlin, okay? <laughs> Seeing Lucas and Peyton together it is a good progression for the story. Lucas and Peyton together it is a good progression for the story. Lucas and Peyton together it is good for the story. Lucas and Peyton together it is good for the story.